Hey, welcome to another episode of Dear Seekers. This is Sasha Shao. Today's conversation is with Lee Deckel. She is the owner of 100% Silk, a shop and gallery space located on Queen Street West. Queen Street West. <laughs> oh my God! I have been living in Oakville for almost a year, so I'm feel like I'm not too familiar with Toronto anymore. Anyway, just kidding. Um, so Lee is the owner of Hundred Percent Silk, a shop and gallery space located on Queen Street West, and she also designs their in-house label, Hundred Percent Silk. Yes, same name and same philosophy. The idea is to bring hard-to-find independent labels that champion the artisanal techniques and craftsmanship, which sadly are dying thanks to fast fashion. Well, fast fashion is not the only contributor, but it's definitely、um, the one of the major main contributors to this dying trade. Um, so Lee is hoping to change that by creating a universe that is really unique and distinctive. The artisanal DNA runs through and through, whether it is you go into their physical space or online or on their Instagram, you can really tell it's hundred percent silk. There is some sort of a distinctive idea and vibe to their、uh, brand identity,、um, and she creates. World is full of magic and wonder. It's quite really, really interesting. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. But before we dive into today's conversation, I just want to share a background story that I found very interesting.、Um, so we did a photo shoot back in 2019. Wait, was it 2019? Was actually the beginning of 2020. I can't even remember.、Um, but Lee was actually pregnant during the photo shoot. Neither I or my photographer friend Vayu knew at that point、um, because it was during the early stage of her pregnancy, so it wasn't really showing. And、uh, just right before the pandemic lockdown happened, I went into the shop to pick up a collar I ordered from the shop, and Lee happened to be working in the shop that day. And we both find out that the other person was pregnant because we we're probably five months into the pregnancy at that point. It was not possible to hide, and so we start a conversation about pregnancy, and we find out our due day was actually on the same day. Yeah, I know, mind blowing. It was crazy.、Um, sometimes things like that, you just like, wow, the universe is like, you know, just. Have all these coincidental things that make you just kind of blow your mind a little bit. Anyway, life with newborn kept both of us really busy.、Um, as you know, I took a long break from Dear Seekers, and so we couldn't actually record our conversation till really recently. This conversation happened last month, and now we're both mothers. Of course, we talk quite a bit about new motherhood, identity shift. And how we're navigating work, life, and motherhood, and、um, it was a very flow-flowing conversation. We chat a lot of different things, including social media, which is really big one, and being creative during the pandemic, which is another big one, creative collaborations, and so much more. And another thing that 
I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but if you have been following 100% Silk or many of the creatives in Toronto and Canada, you probably um, came across this incident that happened earlier um, this year, which that 100% Silk was caught out due to an Islamic prayer rug that was used in one of their photo shoots. Uh, many the creatives asked to cancel the shop to encourage people not to shop from the shop anymore which I have mixed feeling towards because I understand this was a careless mistake from Lee from the shop from their team but I also believe that a conversation should be um, encouraged to happen when a mistake like this happened because if we're just silencing or canceling someone out uh, without you know allowing a conversation to take place many times that i think does more harm than good because it's about having a conversation which actually will lead to learning which will lead to accountability which eventually will lead to change um, so I hope this conversation will bring that forward. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. I'm really happy you're here. There's so much content out there. So I'm really grateful that you choose Dear Seekers to be the way you're spending your Sunday morning. I'm not sure how are you listening right now, whether you are working on your craft, painting or writing. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can't really write, listen to Dear Seekers, but maybe... Um, pottering, um, painting, uh, designing, um, or you just, you know, sitting there having a cup of coffee in your hand, whatever you're doing. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, here we go. So how are you feeling? Um, tired, <laughs> but good. I can't even imagine to have a business and a baby. I'm such a, I feel like I'm on such a privileged life because I have uh, mat leave, so I don't really have to worry about um, that. But I can't imagine of uh, have to take care of a baby and on top of that have a business fully running. <laughs> yeah, at the at the beginning it was easy because he was sleeping all the time so the first couple months I just like would strap him on do a photo shoot stop by the store like and he would just like either be awake or napping and it didn't really matter um, my friend had like a really small ceremony for her wedding and we just like put him on the floor and he slept and it's like all these it's cr it was so nice and easy at the beginning and then around four months he he just became like like he has the biggest FOMO ever. So putting him, <laughs> getting him to sleep is like, is so crazy. And since then, I think I took a bit of a mat leave last month because I was just like, felt like kind of the gas station. I was like trying to work while he was awake. And then my husband would like take him and they would go play or we'd have a sitter and they would go play. And then they'd come feed to fall asleep and then they would go play again. And I was just like, this is crazy like I can't yeah. I'm like not enjoying any of the time with him and I was just trying to kind of like squeeze things in all the time and yeah um and then I it in a nice way like the store is closed so we're just doing online sales and that's like much easier to manage than online sales plus the store being open and 
I have an amazing staff. So they kind of took over all of the the day-to-day routine. And I was just like, I'm going to like work a couple hours every couple days for, for like a month. Oh, that's <laughs> and it was so nice. Like my relationship got better. My relationship with Snowy got better. And and now the a lot is awesome because he's just so energetic and fun. And we just, I put out a blanket, sit in the park and he's like a peach. But before when it was, my whole life was just like feeding him and getting him to sleep. Then it was like, too much with work. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do, yeah I, I do think it's so important to take some time off. If not, if you can't at the beginning, um, do it in, at some point because <laughs> it's it yeah. like enjoying the baby is the best. <laughs> I know. I actually wanted to kind of tap into the whole motherhood topic later on after we talk about other sure. stuff. But but since we're here already, let's just dive right into this whole kind of new identity or part of the identities of your life right now. It's being a mother. So yeah. being a mother myself, I have to say for a while, it always feel like uh, I was kind of struggling. I'm still struggling with trying to find mm-hmm. this to, you know, just like this whole transformation from the old me to this new person I'm kind of becoming. So I wonder what was the biggest challenge and biggest learning you have, let's say, since becoming a mother? It's been almost a year. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. And he still feels like in my head, like he was just born, you know, like he's a, <laughs> I was calling him a newborn for so long because it, <laughs> it just felt like it. I don't know. It was like t- the way time is passing during the pandemic, it's like, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, the concept of time definitely is so different. Yeah, and I guess in a way that was good because people are so understanding. Like they, I think everyone has so much empathy in a way that they didn't before. And I feel like it's, you know, like there's room for not responding to an email for a week in a way that there wasn't before. Or like if your order doesn't get shipped out right away. <laughs> um, I know and it's, Obviously, the pandemic was horrible, but I think the sea change in like people's um, expectations of each other has is just such a positive, uh, a positive thing, especially in the world of fashion, where like everyone was so, um, so tense about time. (laughs) Like it's crazy. (laughs) But I think yeah, the biggest sort of realization I had was just that like um, the deadlines and the expectations that I put on myself in in some ways they were good because I got I got stuff done you know like I I did like my my husband would always like call me crazy because I would set this deadline that nobody knew about but me and then I would have to stick to it I'd be like I'd set up a pop-up or something um or like uh you know there was always like collection viewings and things like that so I have to have a collection done for that time and then now that it's all like you know, in the void or something like with snowy and also with um, the fashion calendar kind of like biting the dust. It just feels like time just became this like ocean or something. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really like learning to like embrace, embrace that. It, there's weeks where it feels really stressful that I'm not being, you know, creative enough. And then there's other weeks where I'm like, this is the best week of my life. Like I'm spending every day, you know, in a park with my baby. Like what 
more like what was all that other stuff leading to that isn't this you know so it's yeah um it's it I think like going with the flow <laughs> is really important <laughs> and like, yeah, even except- like in an interview uh before you became mother in an interview you talk about spending time with your loved ones right like work and wait mm-hmm. that's what you shared so I almost felt like even before becoming a mother you already had this mindset of um you know, separating work and life in a way, because sometimes with the things we love to do, almost feel like you kind of integrated them so tight-knitted together, almost it's hard to kind of separate them. Like work is becoming me because that's my passion. That's something you love to do. But you already had a pretty clear vision of like work can wait, you know, like I don't have to do this 24 um, seven. But it's funny because I was looking at uh, 100% Silk's Instagram today. I was looking at the caption say online 24 uh, <laughs> seven. <So, laughs> like, is Lee going to be behind the, this like social media? No, no, definitely not me all the time. It was it's very much um, like me and a team, <laughs> like a small, very small team, just two people. But my mom and is amazing in the way that like she always has time for everyone. And she's also a business owner. And I think that I really um, got that from her where like she's like one of five kids and she's the oldest. So I feel like she's like, if she's not, you know, um, working, she's like on a call with like one of her siblings or her parents and or like what, you know, watching my nephew and she like rarely says no to like anything kind of like family related or she like always has time for coffee and you know some weeks that means that she like doesn't sleep a lot or something but I think like the she she was a great example of the like life work life work balance um I think for me it's like having having that as a as like a mentor was great but then also I'm a bit like lazy naturally <laughs> like if left to my own devices like if I, I don't, don't know it's hard to believe that <laughs> I know it's hard I I have a I have desires and goals and those are really strong like once I get it in my head that I want to see something through I really will do like everything in my power to make it happen but if I the moment where that like shuts off I I would love to just like sit and do nothing. Like I'm really good at, at, at like, uh, you know, making a dinner and eating it for like four hours with my partner or something that's sort of like, it's, it's kind of a, it's like a, I don't know if it's like a Gemini thing or something, but like big heat, I'm a big hedonist. So as soon as you put something good on the table for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do that instead of whatever I was going to do. And everyone else will have to like understand or deal with it. Oh my God, that's such a blessing. Cause I feel like as creatives or artists, it's kind of like the idea will linger in your head for a long time, even you're done and you start wondering other things. What's the next project? Or yeah. if this project is good enough or what well, could I have improved for this project? Like I'm speaking of myself. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you kind of like just um, all these stuff lingering in your head. And when I'm showering, when I'm going out for a walk, they always omnipresent. present. So for you to be able to shut it off and then just really enjoy the moment, I think that's such a blessing. Yeah, I have a weird uh, like it, it drives my partner crazy because um, sometimes I'll be like focusing on work and I have such tunnel vision that I won't even like hear him talking but I think it's like I can really compartmentalize well whatever I'm doing at the time um yeah it's funny I don't know why that happened or what but I'll, I'll uh 
it's it's for better and better for worse because sometimes I'll be so good at compartmentalizing and then that idea will come into my head and I'll be like, oh my God, I haven't paid attention to it in two weeks and it's going to bite the dust and, you know, and then like a, pa- a panic will come on or something. <laughs> it is really the curse of the creative. I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head where you're like, it's so great that you're able to like work by chasing your passions and interests, but then the fact that it's all wrapped up in your own identity makes it so hard to like let things go. And this last year, it's I have had such a hard time designing And some months that feels totally fine. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, no problem. Like nobody will see some clothes that I made for a year. And that's like, who cares? And then other times I'm like, oh, I've like totally lost myself. Like, who am I with if I'm not making clothes, you know? But I think keeping the store afloat was sort of the best that I could do (laughs) after Snowy was born. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, sometimes it feels fine. And sometimes it, it, you're, it, I'm with you that it it doesn't, it feels like it nags, it nags at me. But I think now I'm trying to sort of um, find a way to like engage with it that doesn't, you know, run me ragged. So I've been like, okay, I'll try and design like one item per week instead of, I'm used to making like a whole collection in three weeks. (laughs) So now I'm just like, okay, one garment a week. If I can like make that sketch, that's good. And at least something is moving because before it just felt so all or nothing. Yeah, definitely with the pandemic, with motherhood, it's kind of like almost in a way force us to take it slower. And in a way, it's even more interesting in your situation because with 100% silk, it's always kind of championed this idea of like slowness and craftsmanship, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have to take it to the next level to even be more like much slower. So it's like, how slow can you be? slow motion so it's like it's interesting to to know how you know because before it was already slow enough and now it's even slower so what kind of things you have kind of learned about yourself during this process of like taking it to the next level of slowness oh that's so funny I um this is a bit of an aside, but I just had like a meeting with um, an artist who we're talking to about having an exhibition at the store. And um, she was talking, she was like, she was like, when would be a good time? And I was like, well, I think like fall seems like a good, a good um, like goal, because I think by then things will have ideally, unless there's like another wave, things will have ideally opened up a bit. And she's like, I'm like a nine months to a year person. (laughs) And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) She's like, I like to give myself that goal. And I was like, oh, it's so nice that there's room for that. Like I have room for that. She has room for that. I really uh, have learned, you know, in that like Instagram is maybe the biggest curse on on a person, any, anyone, I don't know how, like mm-hmm. we need it to survive as a business for sure. It's like the only way people know that we exist or, or that we can remind people that we exist. Um, we have like a newsletter and my dream once the store is back open is just to like switch to newsletter and, um, and the website. But, you know, Instagram is kind of our only way to access a community right now. And it's saved us, you know, it's helped us survive this pandemic, but it, the, what it does to your brain is crazy. It's really, really crazy. Like you, I feel like every 
you know, if I was, if I didn't look at it for like a couple of days, which is really, really rare because I'm always posting. Um, but if I didn't look at it for a couple of days, all of those like fears of like productivity and stuff would kind of just melt away and you would be able to like make normal expectations on yourself. But then once you go back on, you're like, oh my God, this person's doing this and this person's doing this and this person's doing this and I'm failing and I'm miserably at all of it. And, you know, it's, and then, and then like, as soon as you step away again, you're like, oh yeah, I'm like a mom with a business and that's, it's okay to not do any of that stuff. And no one will even notice, like it's you that that's noticing. And it's just, um, I mean, if I'm sure like for teenagers, it's like, I'm not at this party. And then for working people, it's like, I'm not doing enough work, you know? (laughs) So, but it is just really like, it's a horrible medium. I don't know the fact that some you're the, again, it's that intertwining of like the personal and the, the business. And I think it's like a, um, when you just go through daily life, it's so easy to separate those two because you go to work and then you come home and those two like, don't you can shut it off in in some small way but then when you're always you know online 24 <laughs> 7 it's really yes that's what uh they're advertising on instagram if yeah. you missed that part earlier <laughs> lee is behind the social media at yeah. night in the dark just like <laughs> replying to dms i mean i'm up like six times a night so i might as well be replying to dms <laughs> and it's so funny at the beginning with breastfeeding i was like Everybody, I was like, okay, and and as a Natalie who work at the store, I was like, you guys do the work at the shop. I am on that phone. Like, don't worry. I'm like literally just sitting breastfeeding for like most of the day. It's the only thing I can do. But yeah, it's it does like create like an an, an anxiousness and and it yeah it, it we've just set that precedent for ourselves that we have to be like accessible and um. And I, I, like I said, like it's, it's, it's good in the way that um, we can have like, you know, conversations with people at a time where we can't have them in, in real life. And we've met so many, we have like friends on Instagram now and it's so nice. Like some, I love the, the engagement that we get from, from our audience. It feels really genuine. And I've, you know, met so many designers through Instagram that we now carry at the store and like, you know, I have a lot of mentors that I wouldn't have found without it. A lot of animals that I like to check. Out. <laughs> but, but with, I don't know, I, I just wish there was a way to like, separate that feeling like you have to be doing something from the like, I wish there was a more natural way to engage with it. But it, it seems like it's designed to make you feel like you're never get engaging with it enough. So Mm-hmm. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other day, my husband actually had this conversation about, you know, sometimes we look back in, in the past, like maybe the 50s and 60s, we're like, oh my God, you know, those advertisings are incredibly uh, sexist. They're talking about a woman, you know, now can go back to work, but you should just still stay in the kitchen for a bit. And, <laughs> and then smoking is like this huge promotion, right? Like you can be socialized with other people. So we were kind of thinking of what's going to happen in like 50 years or 100 years. People look back upon us and what they're going to see, what we're doing now is 
laughable to them then. So、yeah. my husband's like definitely social media. They're gonna be like, wow, people back in the two two thousands are like just clinging to their phone and they're、oh、they just like、totally、swiping, swiping. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's like. Even the word Instagram or Facebook is like embarrassing. Like it's you can't make it. I don't know. It was funny. I was talking with my friend,、um, who's a photographer, and he was like, he's like a really serious photographer. Like he, you know, every photo shoot that he does, he kind of puts his soul into, and he's spent his whole life like researching techniques and stuff. And he's, and I was like, how I, I picked up.、Um, A book that he had made, and I was like, "How's it going?" He's like, "You know, I'm so busy, but I guess like I'm making content. Like that's what, <laughs> that's my new job. Like is <laughs> he's like photography is now content." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, it's really gross. Like everything that we do is now on these like really capitalistic terms that have just been invented in the last like you know five ten years or something." But it's um. You know, it's it's what you need to do to survive. It just all feels icky. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had this thought、uh, just a couple of days ago about kind of like if you put yourself out there, like me as a journalist or interviewer, writer, whatever, I almost have to kind of commodify my skills. You know, like, and I have to like put myself out there. And is this is the persona that I'm. Putting it there, or is just like me. So it's hard to even for myself to differentiate that. And so I think for you as well, right, Lee? Like you, you know, hundred percent silk is the business people see you as, right? And then of course we are all multitudes and so many more, you know, dimensions of us. But sometimes you have to kind of just pack yourself into this box and then say, okay, here, this is me. Yeah. And then people know that's not you, but this is the box they're buying. So then this is the. The thing that you're selling, right? And so, yeah, I, I, I sometimes having this hard time trying to trying to navigate this this kind of commodifying myself kind of idea. But at the same、well, time, like we have to do it because whatever you do, you're quote unquote selling something, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I've tried to keep myself as like separate from it as possible. But <laughs> you are、yeah. you are very pri- private, actually. Yeah, you haven't share share a lot of personal stuff on your own social. Yeah, I don't know if that's like for better or for worse. Like, I see the plate the shops that are doing really well, and there's usually like a person, you know, up front that like or like a lifestyle that people are trying to kind of achieve with it. But、um, like to be honest, the the shop is such an amalgam. Of the and you know me Inez who who manages and and runs the store right now while I'm sitting at home with Snowy,、um, Natalie who works there and and like so it's like the three of us all the you know photographers that we hire the models that we work with the designers,、um, you know Rochelle、uh, LeBlanc who designed like the furniture in the store like I'm really I have. Um, I try to like kind of keep my like I think the best the best product is when everybody is doing their best and like doing you know they're giving their most like personal expression like when we're photographing a designer's work I try as much as possible to instead of putting like the shop's vision on the designer I try to kind of show off what the designer does best and like make sure that the photo shoot is sort of in that spirit like it's way more fun for me than just you know I'm not like. I'm not really that kind of artist that's like sitting at home being like, I need to execute my vision the way that I see it, you know. So 
you know, while yes, like I have like final veto on everything and I do, I'm very opinionated for sure. I think like I try as much as possible to sort of let other people's work like shine, shine through. And, and that's actually what the store is like. It's not really me. So I, I think I hope that people like don't just put my name on all of it. Um, although of course, you know, love and ego stroke. There's no mm-hmm. <laughs> no way around no way around enjoying like recognition for sure. And it's like a yeah. lot of hard work. But I think it's it's definitely the sum of many, many parts, as as I'm sure anything is. Like I think people um it's so easy to forget that like, you know, we're all the the sum of the interactions that we have through the day, you know, like the quote that we heard that morning or um like the mood that we're in based on like what happened earlier and then, you know, all the people that we work with in our lives. And I guess like, um, I think because we've like spent so much time by ourselves during the pandemic, we start to really feel like alone in, in things. We don't have the distractions that we, that we did. And we kind of assume that everybody else is in the same place that everyone is sitting around thinking about you and what you're doing and you know like who you are but I hope I hope that as things go back to normal that that feeling kind of like lightens lightens up a little bit but Mm -hmm. I think you have it harder as a writer because it really is your name (laughs) that's on all of it (laughs) I mean sometimes like I yeah because I'm daily struggling with how much I wanted to share, right? There's a boundary out there. And um, it's like, I, I, I need to share because I need to write and I need to talk through it to help me untangle the ideas. But the same time is how much I wanted to share with the audience. And that's something it's it's being really difficult to. And, and another idea you mentioned about being alone in this process is, you know, I think a lot of... Uh, um, artists or writers like doing your artwork it's a very lonely act because you yeah. kind of in your own head a lot so in a way that you kind of champion this idea of a creating collaboratively I think that's like it's sometimes easier to say than done because you have your vision and everybody might have their own takes and then you have to almost like it's like a salad if everybody yeah. bring their own like <laughs> like a cucumber or tomato but you still have to be the one to make sure that oh not maybe maybe not too much balsamic vinegar right so you still have to be the one to make sure the mix is to its proportion in a way yeah and it still has to be like personal it has to be my taste otherwise that also comes through when it's like things feel a bit forced or um it's funny the way that like audiences work like I mean all I have to go off of is like engagement online and stuff but like if I do something that's like totally different from what we've done before or if I'm you know commission a photo shoot that even though I love it it's like doesn't really look like our vibe people just sort of like sit quietly and wait for the next thing really so you have noticed that (laughs) yeah yeah very much so it's like people are very um I think people are very like perceptive and they start to like expect something from you and it's hard when you want to break away from it but mm-hmm. um but it's kind of like cool in a way I'm like oh yeah like I there is something cohesive about it for a lot of the time I'm like I don't know what's binding this all together it just all seems like a big mishmash of stuff that I like <laughs> you know, obviously there's like the ethos of um you know 
sustainability, slowness, and, you know, specialized textiles and thing. But um, it's funny that like, I, in the, in the same way where you like, don't know your own personality, like you kind of, you have to have other people show it to you or something. <laughs> That's or tell so you true. what you're like. I yeah. feel that way with the store where I'm like, um, I feel more like an editor maybe or a curator than like a, um, than, uh, I don't know what the word would like a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Not the word, but also the word. Yeah. <laughs> so since we're here, um, for anyone who doesn't know about the shop, can you just kind of briefly share what the shop is all about? For sure. Yeah. So I uh, opened the store in 2018 um, as like a pop-up, actually. Um, I had a clothing line for about a year and a half, and I was trying to think of where I wanted it to be in Toronto and like who my audience was. And I just couldn't, I I kept like, I couldn't really think of the place. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll make like a pop-up and show people the world that I want it sort of situated in. And then... Um, they'll get it. (laughs) And the, that, that world is, I develop textiles for the line, either in my studio, I do a lot of like hand dyeing or, um, in different places around the world. I work in Ghana and Uzbekistan. Um, and I work with sort of really highly specialized techniques that are either like not super well known or maybe on their way out, but, uh, generally, I try to like dive into sort of, you know, the history, the cultural relevance um, and like, ex- you know, and combine that with my own self-expression and then try to just make something really wearable and fun. And then when I was trying to put it into shops, I was like, oh, all the places that focus on like, you know, textiles and sustainability have this like, you know, beige to navy color palette and are a very, I don't know if for some reason it was always like combined with like a really bland aesthetic. Um, and then all the places that had a really fun aesthetic, uh, were putting like, you know, really beautifully made garments next to something that looked like it could have come out of like H and M. And I just wanted those two things to sort of like meet like the, the story and the aesthetic of, of each piece, um, to really shine through and not to be like at odds with, with each other. Um, and so I found, you know, a group of brands um, from different parts of the world that I felt really like embodied that, like the sort of distinctive vision that was I found really exciting, combined with the emphasis on, you know, technique, luxury, the hand of the artist, all of those things kind of coming through at once. And then my other passion is really um, textiles and, you know, weird artisan folk craft stuff (laughs) so so I tried to bring as much of that in and you know combining it with like um a lot of information so each each piece that we have online that um you know references like a craft I try to have you know a bit of the history of the craft also um something about the artist as well and trying to combine like education with with the work and that's Something that unfortunately, like when the store closed, I, you know, let go of a little bit because it's hard to like get thrilled about, you know, educating an audience online. Um, But I think I'm going to try to like bring that 
back with maybe some like Zoom lectures or um, maybe some like virtual tours of like a studio or something like that. But I guess coming back to that, uh, sorry, this is, I'm just flabbing. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. I'm, li- I'm listening. <laughs> but coming back to that, like, um, work-life balance, like the other day, my partner, I was getting a little bit worked up about like how to divide my time. And he's like, he's like, maybe we should like take some time and just figure out like what brings, what aspect of this business like brings you the most joy. And, you know, maybe oh, even- that question is so important. It's so important. Yeah. We keep forgetting to ask ourselves because we kind of in this whole hamster loop, right? Yeah. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm so obsessed with, I, I became so obsessed with keeping it afloat because it was so hard to do that during the pandemic. Like I was paying rent and, you know, starting to pay for like digital marketing because, um, that was working really well. And then like all of the costs of the store started making no sense. And all of the costs of the online made a lot of sense. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm working so hard. I'm not getting any money from the government because we're actually like making an effort to keep, <laughs> keep afloat. Um, and I, at, you know, at some point we were just doing like, you know, three shoots a week. I was shooting them so that we would save money. Like it was just, it was crazy. And then, um, at some point, my partner was just like, yeah, like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you what, you know, why did you get into this? You know, what? Um, and what's what do you still like find exciting? And we should like focus, like find a way to like uh, make the few hours in a day that you have, like, you know, start to work towards making those things happen. And a big part of it was like learning more. And I kind of stopped doing that. Um so it's like, I'm excited to kind of get that back into the fold of what the shop <laughs> is doing, even if we can't do it in the shop. Now it's kind of like off topic, but what are you hoping to learn? What are things kind of interest you now? Um, I am really keen to like try and um, uh, start some kind of like partnership with either like a te- the Textile Museum of Canada, or um, we were talking to somebody from like the Aga Khan about just having kind of like a regular sort of lecture series. Um, And like, I love learning about textiles. And it was so nice when I was in school, and I was kind of forced to do it or when I was traveling, and that would just sort of make it happen, because I would like happen upon a textile, and then I would just dive into, you know, the history, what markets is it sold at? who's making it? What is it used for? Like it it happened all very naturally. And now I have to kind of force myself to like sit and find the books and do the research. And I love the idea of just like partnering with a place um, and making that happen, you know, on a monthly basis or something like, you know, somebody uh, comes and talks about like a piece of their from their collection or like a particular technique from a different part of the world yeah I used to just I was doing a lot of traveling so it kind of happened very easily and then now that I'm not like I love the idea of yeah working with people whose profession it is to <laughs> continually update themselves on the history of different um craft and yeah techniques so thing I wanted to tap tap into is, you know, like the whole idea of uh, 100% Silk. You actually started as 
my own brand, as you shared earlier, yeah. and uh, kind of expanded that into a store and almost a gallery as well. How did that happen? Like, because you started, you you mentioned earlier, you wanted to create this collection. You couldn't find it fit into any kind of boxes in the Canadian fashion scene,、mm-hmm. and you, so you created for yourself, which is really interesting. Because I'm sure as soon as anybody walk in your store, it's almost like a different universe.、It、has its soul and spirit that it's almost very, very unique and. It's like, wow, where am I? Kind of thing.、Um, <laughs> that's exactly how I felt every time. And I want to share a story because the first time I met you, before we met, I had been to the store many times, but that was the first time I actually saw you in the store.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, I don't know you, if you remember, you were wearing this like very eighties, like big pink blouse with puffy sleeves, and then your hair at that time I think was kind of、um, very similar to the late Princess yeah, the Diana. Diana cut. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And、uh, you were wearing this like bold leopard、uh, print pants with like a very high black platform shoes.、Oh、I was、God. like, oh my goodness, they <laughs> they work perfectly. But at the same time, I would never see myself rock that. And、um, I might even think that was would be too much for anybody till I saw you on your body. <laughs> so it's like wow, how how amazing that was. Your style was always that bold, that like eccentric, that like almost I don't care. This is what I'm gonna go for, kind of thing. Or is it kind of develop along the way?、Um, it's certainly gotten more, I think, eccentric. But it, it was. Yeah, I think since I was like, I remember being in high school and like, I discovered like a vintage store. I, this is like, I think one of the great things about growing up in a big city is you can really find your people like very young. <laughs> Whereas like when you grow up in a small town, I think like people have these feelings of what they desire, but then you can't always find them. But I found this vintage store called Sixty Nine Vintage.、Um, On Queen Street West, and、mm, yeah, yeah, I know that that shop. Yeah, it's very amazing too. Yeah, so the owner Keelan, she just sort of like saw me like poking around a lot, and was just like, "Oh, this person like doesn't know where they are, but like they know where they <laughs> they know where they want to be." And she she really like、um, gave me sort of my like footing and the freedom to sort of like. You know, vintage is kind of an amazing entryway into fashion because you have like all the eras in front of you.、Um, so I would just, I just started wearing like almost exclusively vintage in like when I was like sixteen, and I would come to school in these like seventies wrap dresses and like thigh high boots. <laughs> and、um, yeah, I think having, I ha- I've always had these like. Little mentors, like people who I'm kind of like, oh, they're doing it. I can do it, and I never felt shy about dressing. But that became even the the sort of colorfulness and the emphasis on textiles, like, came to sort of a head when I was in Ghana. I think because there they really don't give a shit. Like here, like everyone's like, oh, like I got to tone it down a little bit because I'm going outside or something. There, they're like, there's no such thing as like overdressed. Everybody is would, in, from our point of view, always be overdressed because they're always wearing like five different prints. They can be wearing like a gown to watch like a convenience store or something. It's the playfulness with styling is just such a part of like daily life there. And it was so funny when I came. I lived there for two years. I was working for a brand called Ose Duro that we carry at the store, and I was their brand manager, or sorry, their、um, production manager there. And when I came back, I was like, kind of in my like 
Ghana style. I was like wearing, you know, like a big pink bomber with like a mustard beret and like, you know, high-waisted jeans and probably those same black platforms that you saw me <laughs> and, and and I would like go to a coffee shop and I was like, why is everyone staring? <laughs> like what's going on? Cause you were still in the, yeah, I was the, in Ghana, the Ghana reality. reality. And then I I realized that like it's the um there's a really normalizing like effect that 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 like staring or whatever has like you know maybe people are staring out of interest but you start to feel like oh they're staring at me because I'm doing something wrong um and then you start to kind of tone it down and I feel like the store was almost a way for me to like be like no I really want to dress this way and I really want to feel good about doing it and I wonder if there's other people out there who want to dress this way and and kind of in an amazing way like yes it's it's just aesthetics but it really made this like community around the idea of like or at least in Toronto like there weren't a lot of havens for for um for self-expression anymore it felt like everyone was just like wearing black <laughs> for a while yeah the leisure what was that called the le- leisure yeah, leisure or something I can't even remember <laughs> oh my goodness no no judgment here I'm pretty much um but no and I like I love it like I love I love watching people walk around in like a sports bra and like sweats like it's a hot look it's like a really good look but it shouldn't be the only look that we're going for mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean that if that's the look that the, the people are comfortable in perfect but if because someone wanted to tone it down to fit in and then go with that look yeah. then that your space is definitely something for them to to get rid of that look that they don't want to actually find something that they wanted to be feeling comfortable and confident in. Yeah. And I, I try to keep most of the pieces that we have at the store, like, like they're things that you can wear every day. Like, yes, they're, a, you know, a wild color or they're like hand woven or something. But to me, like a big part of design is wearability. Does it look good on a body? So um, I try to make sure that all of that is in the selection that we that we carry. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of interesting because uh, so many seekers I've interviewed, I would go to their home for the photo shoot and I would spot something they were wearing or something like an object on their coffee table or nightstand. Many of them are, oh, this is from 100% Silk. I was like, oh, my Aww. God, <laughs> you guys like really? Because before I was wondering who are the customers because, you know, I don't <laughs> see them like I walk in the store a couple of times. I, I was talking to you. I don't really see them in person. So mm-hmm. it's like now I know it's like they all like kind of like hidden in the city. <laughs> and then they all come to your shop to, you know, interact and then kind of like be part of this excitement, is which is really interesting. When you started, did you know who you were creating these clothes for or just for you? No, very much just for me. Uh, and then, and like, especially with the pop-up, because, you know, it's not cheap to rent a space on, you know, Queen West. And, you know, like we gutted um, an old pharmacy and, you know, did like a lot of work uh, to renovate it into something that was like presentable to the public or felt, thank God my aesthetic is kind of messy. So it like worked with, <laughs> worked with the space. Um, but it was, it was very much like, is this something that like, you know, people don't have and don't want, or is it something that people want, but don't have? Um, and thank God it was the second, but I didn't really know who it was for. I was, 
like I think I I got like some confidence just based on the the fact that the um the brand had such a good reception online. Maybe not so much in the city, but I was like, okay, Toronto's a big enough city like if I put myself in a very public place, like maybe we'll find our people. I'm in between two hotels, so like maybe the people will be from the states, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um but I really had no no clue that um it would like strike such a chord with people and then we did like an, we had an opening opening party and like a hundred people came out and I, I didn't wow. know most of them. I was like, what is this? <laughs> it felt like people were just so thirsty for something different um, mm-hmm. to happen in the city. So it was like such a, I feel really, really blessed that we have such a great dedicated and also like smart and interesting group of people like you said all the people that you're interviewing um, (laughs) I'm sure are like wonderful people (laughs) that I would love to know and uh yeah I feel really really blessed that that um that they're here and that they're Mm -hmm. interested oh I think one last question is Mm. um I'm gonna read the question actually in an interview you mentioned that luxury to me is a conversation between a designer's vision, a maker's hand, and a wearer, which is only truly possible on a small scale. Um, I mean, it makes sense that, like, um, in a way that we now we more drawn towards sustainability. Even the the word itself kind of become diluted in a way because totally. so many people are using it. People kind of lost the coarse essence of it. But let's um, still kind of celebrate that and. Uh, I, I just wonder what what do you mean by that? Can you elaborate a little bit further for us on the sentence you share in an interview? For sure, yeah. Um, I just think for so long the word luxury was kind of co-opted by this idea of exclusivity, which is part of it for sure. But I don't know, to me, um, exclusivity doesn't mean like price and it doesn't mean being on a you know, a yacht in the Bahamas. It's it's not about like a lifestyle. It's more about the um, the fact that like this garment is something that is so special that you like can't let go of the idea of you know having it in your life, or uh, you can already envision ways that like you want to engage with it. Like I I I think luxury is like so much about like the active participation of the wearer, the maker, and the designer. Um, and like the combination of those things, like you really don't know what you're going to get on the other end. And that's what makes it so exciting. Like for me as a designer, the fact that my my clothes only really like, um, they have the life that I envision for them as I'm making them, but then they also have the life that the wearer gives them. And that makes fashion like a totally unique art form. But that conversation can only happen on like the small the small scale because once you sort of separate the designer from like the process of the making from the end user that whole conversation gets totally diluted and it becomes just about aesthetics and just about like trends and things like that and so i think bringing all those things back together even though it means you probably can't buy as many pieces i think that the you'll, it'll be so much more fulfilling like the that that type of of shopping mm-hmm. um so that to me is like what you know buying a luxury piece means yeah and i think last question um this one might be a little bit sensitive so you know early this year i think in february or something um 100 silk had a photo shoe was you like used one of the islamic rug that was using for prayer 
purposes. So um, I think in in this culture right now, a lot of times we kind of just call people out, and then that's the end of the story. But I think as the times we like myself included, a lot of times I think we need to learn by actually having a conversation instead of just you know this is the what happened and that's it. Yeah. So I I want to hear from your perspective about that particular incident and、uh, what kind of things you have taken and in place to hopefully it won't happen again. For sure, yeah. It、uh, I think it really speaks to sort of what I was talking about before with the、um, that time where that was the time where we were doing like three photo shoots a week. I was taking all the photos like very much in a、um, like let's get through this. Mentality, and that's sort of when those mistakes happen. Like the the rug was a piece that、um, I had purchased.、Uh, you know, the person who sold it to me was Moroccan, and in Morocco, it has、um, a very casual use. It's like a you know, it's like a baby coverlet or something you'd put on a wall. But yeah, so it wasn't sold to me as a prayer rug, and I never questioned that. I just sort of let the item like exist in the store. It had been in the store for a couple of years, and I almost like. Stopped really looking at it as anything but this cute rug <laughs> whose design that I liked, and then yeah, obviously we were called out because the building that's on it is a mosque, and that can be interpreted in many different cultures as a prayer rug,、um, which I had you know I had no idea. And obviously after this happened, I ran to like all of my Muslim friends and I was like, "Is this a prayer rug to you? Is this a prayer rug to you? Is this a prayer rug to you?" And, It's kind of besides the point. It's a prayer rug to to、um, to someone. So it's that's like that's the the most important learning lesson is that like if we have something in a photo shoot, especially in something like a photo shoot that's like presenting to the public,、um, we should really make sure that everything that we have in there is like intentional, that we know where it's from, that we know what it means, especially as like you know a white business owner.、Um, Who take you know? Until that moment, I really took pride in my lack of carelessness and the fact that, like, you know, we were so focused on the the fact that we were、um, educating people about textiles, and then for someone to point out the fact that we were like using something so carelessly was really、um, it really took me back. And I think it came brought me back to that question of like, what am I here for? Am I here? To make a cute photo shoot, or am I, or do I? Ha- does the store have like a larger purpose? So I think like the slowing down, not getting caught up in the like that need to like produce a thousand things a week <laughs> is really important, and will hopefully not get you into this situation. But yeah, I agree. I think in a way that you know. We all have our own、um, unintentional biasness and our ignorance in a way, because there are so many cultures in the world.、Yeah. There are definitely a lot of times that we we are you just we're not educated that way, right? There's like yeah,、um, that's the, the, that that's the ultimate culprit is the lack of education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like we we never intend to you know hurt anybody or have any cultural appropriation done、um, just on the purpose to. Hurt a culture or individual, but I think just like cancel someone out and without even a discussion or a conversation or a learning process is something I I personally don't believe. Yeah, part of my interest in like partnering with,、um, like I said before, like the textile museum or the Aga Khan is to continue that path of of education rather than、um, 
because the other op- option that I have is to like totally recede from, you know, representing any sacred textiles at all or looking at them or talking about them. That's like kind of the other path that a person can take. But I'm trying to like, you know, take the path where like I can still hopefully continue to have these conversations, but make sure that they're, um, you know, well-informed and in dialogue with experts on the subject. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, that's it. Uh, is there anything you want to share, Lee? Um, no, I'm good. I probably should just go uh, feed Snowy. <laughs> I can hear him crying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Just, oh, my not crying, God. just like, you know, starting to get, you know, you hear the sounds of like fussiness or something. Oh, I can totally hear. Oh, as a mom, that, that just made my no, heart No, no, no. He's fine. Um, he's just- fine. He's happy. He's like, he's a good guy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee. We, this is long overdue. So yeah, and thank you for being so um, so generous with the questions and the answers. And it's that.